Section 24, Volume 2, of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kalinda. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 24. When it was the sixty-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Nuzat al-Zaman said to her brother Sharkan and the four Kazis, Here endeth the second section of the first chapter. And it so happened that Omar bin Abd al-Aziz wrote to the people of the festival at Mecca as follows, I call Allah to witness in this holy month, in the holy city, and on the day of the greater pilgrimage, that I am innocent of your oppression, and of his wrongs that doth wrong you in that I have neither commanded this nor purposed it, neither hath any report of aught thereof hitherto reached me, nor have I compassed any knowledge thereof. And I trust that a cause for pardon will be found, in that none hath authority from me to oppress any man, for I shall assuredly be questioned concerning every one oppressed. And if any of my officers swerve from the right, and act otherwise than the holy book and the traditions of the apostle do authorize, obey him not, so that he may return to the way of righteousness. He said also, Allah accept of him, I do not wish to be relieved from death, because it is the supreme thing for which the true believer is rewarded. Quoth one of authority, I went to the prince of the faithful, Omar bin Abd al-Aziz, who was then caliph, and saw before him twelve dirhams, which he ordered for deposit in the public treasury. So I said to him, O commander of the faithful, thou impoverishest thy children, and reducest them to beggary, having nothing whereon to live on. And thou wouldst appoint somewhat by will to them and to those who are poor of the people of thy house, it were well. Draw near to me, answered he. So I drew near to him, and he said, Now as for thy saying, thou beggarest thy children, provide for them and for the poor of thy household, it is without reason, for Allah of a truth will replace me to my children and to the poor of my house and he will be their guardian. Verily, they are like other men, he who feareth Allah, right soon will Allah provide for him a happy issue, and he that is addicted to sins, I will not hold him in his sin against Allah. Then he summoned his sons, who numbered twelve, and when he beheld them, his eyes dropped tears, and presently he said to them, Your father is between two things, either ye will be well to do, and your parent will enter the fire, or ye will be poor, and your parent will enter paradise. And your father's entry into paradise is liefer to him than that ye should be well to do. So arise and go, Allah be your helper, for to him I commit your affairs. Yusuf bin Omar accompanied me to Hisham bin Abd al-Malik, and as I met him, he was coming forth with his kinsmen and attendants. He alighted, and a tent was pitched for him. When the people had taken their seats, I came up to the side of the carpet whereon he sat reclining, and looked at him. And waiting till my eyes met his eyes, bespoke him thus, May Allah fulfill his bounty to thee, O commander of the faithful. I have an admonition for thee, which hath come down to us from the history of the king's preceding thee. At this he sat up, when as he had been reclining, and said to me, Bring what thou hast, O son of Safwan. Quoth I, O commander of the faithful, 
one of the kings before thee went forth in a time before this thy time, to this very country, and said to his companions, Saw ye ever any state like mine, and say me, Hath such case been given to any man, even as it hath been given unto me? Now there was with him a man of those who survived to bear testimony to truth, upholders of the right and wayfarers in its highway. And he said to him, O king, thou askest of a grave matter, wilt thou give me leave to answer? Yes, replied the king. And the other said, Dost thou judge thy present state to be short-lasting or everlasting? It is temporary, replied the king. How, then, rejoined the man, do I see thee exulting in that which thou wilt enjoy, but a little while and whereof thou wilt be questioned for a long while, and for the rendering an account whereof thou shalt be as a pledge which is pawned? Quoth the king, Whither shall I flee, and what must I seek for me? That thou abide in thy kingship, replied the other, or else robe thee in rags, and apply thyself to obey Almighty Allah thy Lord until thine appointed hour. I will come to thee again at daybreak. Khalid bin Safwan further relates that the man knocked at the door at dawn, and behold, the king had put off his crown and resolved to become an anchorite, for the stress of his exhortation. When Hisham bin Abd al-Malik heard this, he wept till his beard was wet, and bidding his rich apparel be put off, shut himself up in his palace. Then the grandees and dependents came to Khalid and said, what is this thou hast done with the commander of the faithful? Thou hast troubled his pleasure and disturbed his life. Then, quoth Nujat al-Zaman, addressing herself to Sharkan, How many instances of admonition are there not in this chapter? Of a truth I cannot report all appertaining to this head in a single sitting. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the sixty-seventh night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Nujat al-Zaman continued, speaking to Sharkan, Know, O king, that in this chapter be so many instances of admonition that of a truth I cannot report all appertaining to this head in a single sitting, but with length of days, O king of the age, all will be well. There said the Kazis, O king, of a truth this damsel is the wonder of the world, and of our age the unique pearl. Never heard we her like, in the length of time or in the length of our lives. And they called down blessings on the king and went away. Then Sharkan turned to his attendants and said, Begin ye to prepare the marriage festival, and make ready food of all kinds. So they forthright did his bidding as regards the viands, and he commanded the wives of the emirs and wazirs and grandees depart, not until the time of the wedding banquet, and of the unveiling of the bride. Hardly came the period of afternoon prayer, when the tables were spread with what so heart can desire or eye can delight in, of roast meats and geese and fowls, and the subjects ate till they were satisfied. Moreover, Sharkan had sent for all the singing women of Damascus, and they were present, together with every slave girl of the king and of the notables who knew how to sing. And they went up to the palace in one body. When the evening came and darkness starkened, they lighted candles right and left from the gate of the citadel to that of the palace, and the emirs and wazirs and grandees marched past before King Sharkan, whilst the singers and the tirewoman took the damsel to dress and adorn her, but found she needed no adornment. Meantime King Sharkan went to the Haman, and coming out sat down on his seat of estate, 
whilst they paraded the bride before him in seven different dresses, after which they eased her of the weight of her raiment and ornaments, and gave such injunctions as are enjoined upon virgins on their wedding nights. Then Sharkan went in unto her, and took her maidenhead, and she at once conceived by him, and when she announced it he rejoiced with exceeding joy, and commanded the savants to record the date of her conception. On the morrow he went forth and seated himself on his throne, and the high officers came in to him and gave him joy. Then he called his private secretary, and bade him write a letter to his father, King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, saying that he had bought him a damsel who excels in learning and good breeding, and who is mistress of all kinds of knowledge. Moreover, he wrote, There is no help but that I send her to Baghdad to visit my brother Zau al-Makan and my sister Nujat al-Zaman. I have set her free, and married her, and she hath conceived by me. And he went on to praise her wit, and salute his brother and sister together with the wazir Dandan, and all the emirs. Then he sealed the letter, and dispatched it to his father by a post-courier, who was absent a whole month, after which time he returned with the answer, and presented it in the presence. Sharkan took it, and read as follows. After the usual bismillah, this is from the afflicted distracted man, from him who hath lost his children and home by bane and ban, King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, to his son Sharkan. Know that since thy departure from me, the place has become contracted upon me, so that no longer I have power of patience, nor can I keep my secret, and the cause thereof is as follows. It chanced that when I went forth to hunt and course, Zau al-Makan sought my leave to fare Hijaz wards. But I, fearing for him the shifts of fortune, forbade him therefrom until the next year or the year after. My absence while sporting and hunting endured for a whole month. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the sixty-eighth night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that King Omar bin al-Nu'uman wrote in his letter, My absence while sporting and hunting endured for a whole month, and when I returned, I found that thy brother and sister had taken somewhat of money, and had set out with the pilgrim caravan for pilgrimage by stealth. When I knew this, the wide world narrowed on me, O my son, but I awaited the return of the caravan, hoping that haply they would come back with it. Accordingly, when the palmers appeared, I asked concerning the twain, but they could give me no news of them. So I donned mourning for them, being heavy at heart, and in sleep I have no part, and I am drowned in the tears of my eyes. Then he wrote in verse, That pair and image quits me not one single hour, whom in my heart's most honorable place I keep. Sans hope of their return I would not live one hour. Without my dreams of them, I ne'er would stretch me in sleep." The letter went on, And after the usual salutations to thee and thine, I command thee neglect no manner of seeking news of them, for indeed this is a shame to us. When Sharkan read the letter, he felt grief for his father, and joy for the loss of his brother and sister. Then he took the missive, and went in with it to Nujat al-Zaman, who knew not that he was her brother, nor he that she was his sister, albeit he often visited her both by night and by day till the months were accomplished, and she sat down on the stool of delivery. Allah made the child birth easy to her, and she bare a daughter. Whereupon she sent for Sharkan, and seeing him, she said to him, This is thy daughter, name her as thou wilt. Quoth he, It is usual to name children on the seventh day after birth. 
Then he bent over the child to kiss it, and he saw, hung about its neck, a jewel, which he knew at once for one of those which Princess Abriza had brought from the land of the Greeks. Now when he saw the jewel hanging from his babe's neck, he recognized it right well. His senses fled and wrath seized on him. His eyes rolled in rage, and he looked at Nujat al-Zaman and said to her, Whence hadst thou this jewel, O slave-girl? When she heard this from Sharkan, she replied, I am thy lady, and the lady of all in thy palace. Art thou not ashamed to say to me, slave-girl? I am queen, daughter of King Omar bin al Nu'uman. Hearing this, he was seized with trembling, and hung his head earthwards, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 24 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2 Recording by Kalinda in Lüneburg, Germany, on February 20th, 2009